Hey friend, welcome to the Bible Tract Echoes radio broadcast. I'm Mike McCurry, your host. I mentioned previously this week that each day that this broadcast airs in November, I'm going to share with you one item each day that I'm thankful for. Now, I hope you reciprocate. If you'd like to share with me what you're thankful for, I'd like to hear about that because we're going to share our listeners' lists of thankfulness the week of Thanksgiving. I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. But right now, let me share with you what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for gospel tract stories. I'm thankful for these little indicators, these amazing stories that tell us that gospel tracts work. Now, the Bible tells us that his word won't return void, and we can take that to the bank. It's a promise of God. But truly, it is nice to hear about when God's people use gospel tracts, how people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior through these little witnesses, these little preachers, as some call them. I have many favorite gospel tract stories, and I'd love to hear from you as well. Maybe you have one that you'd like to share, but right now, let me share with you one that I heard not too long ago. It was in Tennessee, just a couple of years ago. A pastor was visiting one of his church members in the hospital. Now, I've made many hospital visits. I had the opportunity when I was in Akron, Ohio, as an associate pastor, made a lot of hospital visits. I remember knowing those hospitals like the back of my hand. I'm normally not great with directions, but there were a few hospitals that I knew precisely where to park. I knew exactly where to go. I knew knew which receptionist to go to to get my little badge, and I'd walk in there, and I knew which elevators to use, and it tells you how many times I was there. This pastor, well, he knew this hospital. He went up to the fifth floor and he took the elevator there and he spoke for just about 15 minutes to church member. They were probably getting sleepy, probably getting tired. And visitors are great when you're sick for a very short period of time. Sometimes you don't want the pastor sticking around for two or three hours. And so I learned that lesson. And so the pastor, he prayed with them, wished them well, told them how much the church loved them, and he went his way. Before he got on the elevator there on the fifth floor, he needed to use the facilities. He had to go to the restroom. And so he did his business, if you will, if I can say it politely. But before he walked out, he of course washed his hands and He took, after he dried his hands off, he took a few gospel tracts and laid them on the counter there. He found a dry spot on the counter. There was no one else in that restroom. And he walked out, didn't think anything more of it. Now, this pastor was one of those brave individuals. You know those pastors that put their personal phone number on the back of their gospel tracts? Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't recommend that for everyone, but he did it. He put his phone number on the back of that gospel tract, and he was surprised, not so pleasantly, when he received a call at one o'clock in the morning, technically the next day. He received a call from a very gruff-sounding individual, and the man almost demanded that he come down to the hospital. He was wondering if he was in trouble. The man introduced himself as an officer, and he's thinking, an officer of the law. 
And so he asked the man, couldn't please wait till a reasonable time, like nine o'clock in the morning. Does it have to be right now? And the officer with a very gruff sound said, sir, I would very much appreciate it if you'd come to the hospital right now. Well, the hospital was about 10, 15 minutes away. He got presentable. He put on a pair of slacks and he put on a polo shirt. He tried to look a little bit pastoral, even though he wasn't feeling like it. Have you ever had those times when you're torn between ministry and humanity? You don't want to go. You don't want to do whatever it is God is pricking your heart about. Well, this pastor was there. And so he finally went. He was there. About half an hour after he got that phone call, he had brushed his teeth, he had spiffied himself up, he knew it was going to be 1.30 in the morning, but he figured, I'm going to put my best foot forward, even though he didn't really want to be there. He walked past the surprise receptionist, he got in the elevator, and he leaned up against the wall of the elevator, thinking, I don't really want to be here, what am I doing here? He took the elevator to the fifth floor. He walked out. Now, this hospital is one of those old block buildings. Maybe there's some masonry contractors under the sound of my voice. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe you've been to a hospital like this. It looked like it hadn't been updated in a while. The old block, all painted like that kind of beige color. He walked past those rows of blocks, turned the corner, and saw an officer standing in front of a room down the hall. The man, about 6'4", had a bulletproof vest on, had a Batman utility belt on. He walks up to him and jerked his finger inside the room. The man walked inside the room. The officer didn't really say anything to him besides, thanks for coming. The pastor walked in, and on the bed there was a man in an orange jumpsuit, had his hands clutched to his chest, and in his hands, as the pastor walked in, he saw a crumpled piece of paper And that prisoner lifted it out of his chest there and almost offered it, held his hands out that crumpled piece of paper and said, can you tell me about the one that loves me? The story that the pastor heard that night or technically that early morning from that man with tears in his eyes, that man said in that orange jumpsuit, that he was a prisoner, an inmate at the local prison. Because of crimes he had committed, he would be there for a long time. And he decided that he would end it all. He was tired of living. And so he made a deal in coded language with his dealer, drug dealer, on the outside of prison. Of course, realize oftentimes in prisons, they read your letters to make sure there's no illicit substances being passed and make sure there's no nefarious plans being made. Well, they made a nefarious plan, but they did it in coded language so no one would know. And he made a deal with his dealer that his drug dealer would leave a package of illicit substances in the bottom of a trash can on the fifth floor on a certain day at the local hospital there in Tennessee. say, what good does it do a prisoner there? Well, the fifth floor of that wing of the hospital was where they would take prisoners that got too sick at the local prison for the prison nurse to handle. And so, prisoner, very inventive, made himself appear to be sick. He was absolutely just just doubled over in supposed pain and the prison nurse, I, I, I don't know what to do with him. Take him to the, take him to the, take him to the hospital. And so... Late that night into the wee hours of the morning, he went with a correctional officer 
that man with his Batman utility belt. And he was walking in his chains, walked to the back door, shink, 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 took that elevator. Remember, there's an old block hospital. The man, as he walked by a restroom, started dancing. What my children called, you know, a potty dance, right? He had to go to the restroom, supposedly. Well, the officer did not want to have to deal with the results of him refusing that request. And so he allowed him to go in by himself. It's an old block hospital. There's no escape route. There's only one door into that restroom. So he let him go in by himself. The man waited for a moment to make sure the officer wasn't going to follow him in. Put his hand down in that trash can, searching for something. Past the paper towels, past everything else that was in there. But before his hands could close on those substances, of which there was enough for him to overdose, one last time, his hands closed around something that didn't feel quite like a paper towel, didn't quite feel like anything that belonged, a crumpled piece of paper that through the ends of his fingers caught his attention. And he pulled his hand out. And on that little gospel tract, it asked a question similar to this. If you were to die today, do you know where you would go? Oh, that's an interesting question anytime to anyone, but it's most certainly interesting to someone that is about to commit suicide. That man read that gospel tract, and with the help of that pastor, accepted Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. I am thankful today for gospel tract stories. I'm thankful for the fact that there are tracks right outside the room that I'm recording in right now that are going around the world. You probably heard a, a heat gun a shrinking the shrink wrap around those gospel tracks so they stay nice and snug. You probably heard the tape gun in the background. Friend, I'm thankful for gospel tracks. I'm thankful for the stories that we hear. Just imagine heaven, all the stories you've never heard before. I wouldn't surprise me if there is a if there's a theater of sorts where we can watch these stories happen from the ancient past up to the present day before we stepped over into glory and see the impact of gospel tracks. Now, I realize I've taken a little longer than I anticipated sharing that with you, but let me share with you very quickly in these last two minutes the continuation of David's Line. We've been talking this week about the close of David's life, the charge from David's lips. And now we jump into our Bibles in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 4. Why was David charging Solomon? That the Lord, he says, may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. I think of 2 Timothy 3.14, we won't turn there for sake of time, but friend, this is why our elders and men that you may listen to on this very radio station, why they charge you so intently. It's not about building castles. They want to build his kingdom. They want to further the line of the God of this book. I say figuratively, the continuation of David's line it's not about me having some legacy. It's about God and his glory. I won't go into details, but there is a man who's near and dear to me. He's 50s, 60s, thereabouts. He's a dear friend to me. And he recently did something for me that 
brought no personal help to himself, was of no personal advantage, but he did it because he was investing in me as a part of the next generation. Those type of sacrifices, those types of investments mean so very much to me. And the purpose behind them is so very clear. It's for the continuation of the line that has been unbroken since God Almighty. David's line, if you will. I'm so thankful for the opportunity that I have to carry on, to pick up the baton, to carry on the charge that has been delivered to me. Tomorrow, we're going to talk from 1 Kings chapter 2 about the children that David loved. I'm going to encourage you to join me as we conclude this week of broadcasts tomorrow. Have a great day for his glory. God bless. Thank you for joining us today for Bible Tract Echoes, a ministry of Bible Tracks Incorporated. If you would like to receive a free sample booklet of all of our tracks, you can contact us by calling 309-828-6888. That's 309-828-6888. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 130, Dwight, Illinois, 60420. A faster way to contact us is to go to our website at BibleTracksInc.org. That's BibleTracksInc.org. There you will find more information about our ministry and details on how you can support Bible Tracks Incorporated. Thanks for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you as you serve Him.